0: welcome to the small groups in the wesleyan way podcast where we are all about going beyond programs beyond best practices and beyond curriculum to recover and learn from our wesleyan roots and to explore the foundations for small groups that are organized to beat the devil and that produce disciples of jesus christ who in turn disciple others my name is scott hughes and i'm the director of adult discipleship here at discipleship ministries well this is the second episode that i got to record with robert martin He is the Professor of Christian Formation and Leadership at Wesley Theological Seminary, where he was also Dean. I gave a more full introduction to him in the last episode, so make sure and listen to to that one. Um, And so in this episode, we're going to, again, get some clarity, get more clarity about what it means to grow spiritually. Some of the other uh, things you want to listen out for is is how uh, theology and, and spirituality very much go together. And the role the small group has as a catalyst, so things to just to perk your attention to, you know, so sit back and enjoy this second part of the interview. And this is probably true earlier in my ministry more than it became later as I started working on my doctoral ministry degree was just the way spirituality was used. it mm-hmm. It just was so unclear and unhelpful. And as I continue to to grow theologically, the more I see that good theology heals and bad theology hurts.
1: It does. Absolutely. Or it, um, it's the opiate. It, it, us away from, it diverts our attention. So a lot of times people, I mean, people, every, everyday people tend to think about, um, get frustrated with academicians like mm-hmm. myself, <laughs> who, you know, who are overly abstract and esoteric. Yeah. So that doctrine is a thing that we we show off, right? Yeah. Our expertise. We show off how much we know. You use big words, big Latin words. we uh, Big words. Now, you know, it's it's okay to use big words. That's right. I mean, doctors do, right? Exactly. Engineers That's exactly what I was going to come back to. You know, yeah. so. So we don't want to get rid of the technical language, but what we want to do is to be able to talk about it in such a way that people can actually use it. So it's practicable, right? It's practicable so that you are actually practicing theology rather than it being just a mind game. That's right. Because people get very frustrated with mind games and I totally agree with them. I get very, very frustrated with myself, with my own colleagues who are who are, uh, you know, that we, we think of them as too heady. Well, they're not really too heady, they're just not bodily, mm. right? They're not missionally using their language, their expertise to solve problems, to address issues, to help people take the next faithful step. Yeah. And well that's what true theology is.
0: Yeah, that's good, because I, I think that's what we're, we're aiming for, right? As we, as we grow spiritually, we're also growing theologically, mm-hmm. and that helps us to
1: discern. Yes, that's right. I mean, you, you think about theology as a light mm. that we shine ahead of us that helps us put our foot down in the best possible place, and especially as we, as our society um, you know, gets more contentious and there mm-hmm. are, um, you know, things are at stake in mm-hmm. our society. There's great conflict and division and there are the, you know, the ecology, uh, the climate is at stake. We mm-hmm. have, you know, wars and all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot at stake in our, mm-hmm. um, in what's going on and theology should be that lamp that we mm that helps us see very clearly what the next faithful step is. Mm -hmm. And so to take that next faithful step, we need to know who God is, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: not just vaguely, not just generally, but really what is the incarnation? What Mm -hmm. and how are we incarnational beings Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and how are we, because we're created in and through the Holy Trinity, how is our life supposed to be Trinitarian? What does that mean? And how can we practice that much more faithfully as we go forward? So I think those kinds of doctrines Mm -hmm. are not supposed to be um, ornaments Mm -hmm. You know, that we just put up on our our books that we put on our shelf and we leave there uh, gathering dust, but rather they they are lights that shine in front of all around us Mm. so that we can understand what's going on, what's going on within and how to take that next faithful step.
0: Yeah. So that brings us back then to. Uh, the spirituality, the disciplines, what the disciplines do within spirituality. Mm -hmm. As you said earlier, they habituate us in the small matters. So talk about the power of regularity and discipline. Mm -hmm. Because I'll add one more thing before I let you go there. One of the things I see is people want to go from spiritual high to spiritual high, Mm -hmm. right? And they look for the next great thing to do to give them a spiritual high, come down off of that, that kind of, power of that goes away. Well, let me get the next spiritual high. Yes. And so forth. So talk to us about the importance of the, of disciplines.
1: Yeah. So I would say when I, uh, have gone around and look at, uh, how people are, how congregations are organizing their, uh, spiritual program, their Christian education, right? Their faith formation programs, Mm -hmm. or even what people do when they are trying to search for spiritual food mm. nourishment. And a lot of times we, we, we go from spiritual practice to spiritual practice. We're going to try journaling. It's all episodic, right? All episodic. So we bounce from, Oh, I think I'll journal this week or, uh, and then I'll, I'll contemplatively contemplatively pray this week and I'll, you know, I'll go serve the poor this week. You mm. know, it's just we bounce around from things. A thing. hazard. Yeah. And, and that's fine, right? That's, that's fine. So shopping around spiritually <laughs> is, is okay to a certain extent.
0: Well, I'm going to help you learn what, what feeds you and what's... That's right. Yeah,
2: sure. that's right. You
1: dabble your foot in this pond and then yeah. this pond, you, you know. But the power of a discipline... Hmm. In its regularity is that over time the discipline changes us, that hmm. actually you give yourself to the discipline okay and so i i I'm, I'm going to have to get a little bit in, in order to explain this or or th- tell you how I think about it okay I have to get back to how we're related to god okay and um because we are in God, and God is in us, our soul is that metaphor that we use to talk about the unity of our spirit and the divine spirit. Okay, so there's yeah, the soul is the is the nexus of unity, and I think about my soul as deep within my belly, and you know, mm-hmm. good uh, Hebrew place for it is in the I belly, did, right? Right, right. I really do. I, yeah, I know. I'm with it, you. It, it, if I'm going to get into God, if I'm going to ascend uh, more fully into God, it is downward and it's in uh, my belly. So anyway, um, but the the key here is that the ego, which is a wonderful thing, right? It's our agency. It's, our, okay. it's the way that we uh, put together life in this mm-hmm. world. The ego wants to be in control. That's what it's made for. Mm made to be in control and, and it's a good thing. So this is not an anti-ego kind of thing, but in order for us to descend into God, in order for us to be more unified with God, that means that we surrender to God. We are, we are, um, relaxing as it were into God and the ego can't do that. Mm. The ego is always in control Hmm. and searching for control. It will stop us, it will arrest our downward descent into God interesting and so you hear about Buddhists and Hindus and other kinds of meditative uh, 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 religion religions who know what meditation really is mm-hmm. they it's very clear that you want to turn your mind off you want you want to uh, let it go mm-hmm. so that yourself can descend into this uh, more holy realm, this unity. So what we've got to do then, I mean, uh, just to be clear about it, we want to relativize every discipline, spiritual discipline, in order for us to become more spiritual, more unified with God. It has to relativize the ego, not get rid of it, Mm. not dismiss it, not Mm. decapacitate the ego, (laughs) but rather relativize the ego so that our agency, our power... Comes from a deeper source. That's what the ego oh. is all for. All is, is for, is to is to um, channel, to incarnate. Really, good The yeah. divine life in a way that makes sense in this world. Right. So, in order to do that, a discipline first and foremost relativizes the ego, mm. and 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 the, the trick here is. You can't just tell your ego because it's you, right? You can't tell your ego, okay, let go. Right. That can't happen because as soon as you tell your ego to let go, that's your ego telling your ego (laughs) to let go, right? So you've got the the whole process of, of spiritual discipline is to give yourself over Mm. to a practice that helps relativize your ego so that you can go deeper into that unity. And so you might ha- you might, that might be contemplative. So you're sitting somewhere and you are allowing your mind to do its thing, but you are breathing deeply and you mm-hmm. are, you know, your, your mind is focused in a very gentle, effortless way on this unity that you're a part of this this God life that you're a part of. But it also could be another kind of practice could be for us to go into a prison
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and to sit with prisoners and to listen to them and not try to control anything, not activate Mm. our ego in the conversation, but rather ask the evocative question to listen and to take it in Not that we want to control anything, but rather we are rather passively surrendering Mm -hmm. to that moment to be with that human Mm -hmm. being in the prison, right? Or in the hospital room. See, so this isn't just about um, devotional exercises for spiritual growth, but rather we can be, we should be in mission, missional activities is as much a spiritual practice. It's a spiritual dimension. Right, right. Rather, I should say it's a dimension of our spirituality that we often, um, we often don't take account of. We don't take account of the the fact that missional engagement is absolutely essential to spiritual growth Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because it puts us in touch with right. Matthew 25, Jesus says, if you do it to the least of these, if you do it to the people in prison, if you share uh, you know, a cup of water with those who are thirsty, if you, if you bind the wounds of the, the afflicted, that you are doing it to me. And there's a real spiritual truth there in that we meet Jesus anew. Hmm. We encounter the Spirit of God anew. Uh, and most profoundly, as we are with those folks who are the least in society, uh, and um, to ourselves actually. Yeah. So, d- does that is that getting?
0: Yeah, it is. Let me add one more thing. That yeah. uh, one of the things I notice is it seems like Methodists are r- reclaiming some of the more ancient Christian practices. That's right. Advent, etc. Can you mm-hmm. talk about how? especially Catholics, Orthodox, they're a little better at this spiritual discipline stuff than Protestants. Mm -hmm. Can you say why that is?
1: Well, uh, Roman Catholics and Eastern Orthodox have orders of people who have dedicated their lives to specific practices, uh, vows. They've taken vows Mm -hmm. of poverty, chastity, um, and mission Mm -hmm. or um, charity. And these people hold up for us. Well, you, you think of the Jesuits, you think of the Carmelites, you know, uh, sisters and brothers, uh, yeah. monks as it were, who have dedicated their lives to honing practices of spiritual expansion and depth. Right. Now I want to say that again, practices of expansion, right where you go beyond your horizon spiritually to encounter the new, the different, the mysterious, and depth that is going deeply within, under all the layers of uh, deception Mm -hmm. and sin that we um, use to deflect our attention from the unity that we really are. Anyway, so these people, people in those kind of order, religious folks, have dedicated themselves to honing these practices and that filters out to the rest of the, of the church, Mm -hmm. right? So the Catholics, they revere these people and their reverence for monks and the orders, the religious orders. It has a way of creating a a discourse, a culture
2: Mm. in the
1: Catholic world, whereby people are, um, they take up these practices a little at a time. They're not so fully dedicated as mm-hmm. perhaps a monk would be, but they, they, they um, engage these practices so that over time, over the weeks, months, and years, giving themselves to these kinds of disciplines, they are changed or transformed
2: mm-hmm.
1: in, you know, um, to being more fully the image and likeness of God. Right? They, they are little Christ's as St. Athanasius would say. They're little Christs that vivify the divine life um, here, you know, here and there.
0: Yeah, and it's that daily giving yourself over to it.
1: It is, it is. It has to be regular, systematic, and thoughtful. So there has to be a reflection. You think of St. Ignatius' examine, mm-hmm. which in the morning sets us up uh, just a very uh, short ritual of centering oneself and then asking questions about, for example, um, one way to do it is to ask what three things you grateful for. for.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. And
1: so then you spend time in gratitude for those things. And what will I be intentional about? What spiritual okay. act, what spiritual quality will I be intentional about? And where will I practice this specifically in this day? Oh. So that would be a, 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 a quasi-Ignation examine. You start that five minutes yeah. in the morning, and then you go through your day. You might even set a clock so that the alarm rings, and then you do whatever it is you had uh, you were intentional to do. So and good then, use of yeah. notifications on your phone. <laughs> Absolutely. That's, that's <laughs> one good thing that technology has brought to us. Is, yeah. You know, uh, reminder system. And uh, so then at the end of the day, when you're wrapping things up, you're getting ready for bed, you know, then you are looking back for the day. What mm-hmm. three things am I grateful for? Uh, what, Where would I do things differently? Mm-hmm. What might I do differently? And mm-hmm. so then that helps you not uh, be you know you're not going to whip yourself you're not uh, you know it's not about guilt and shame yeah, that's good rather point. you're playing it forward what might i do differently tomorrow that i did today hmm. and then you sit in that for way and then uh, for a while and then then you go to bed right yeah. and so that practice over time then sets you up there's this inner conversation that the examine puts in your mind over time so that you're asking yourself moment to moment, what am I grateful for? What am I intentional about? How might I do something differently?
2: Yeah.
1: That, see, that sets up a, a rhythm in your mind. You're not even thinking about it, but it, it habituates you to this constant attention and greater intentionality to practice the divine life more fully.
0: Yeah, I, I, like, I like that a lot because it's very intentional and it's, it's, it's not hard to do.
1: No, it's very doable, yeah.
0: And, and like you say, doing that day after day after day that, because there's, you know, some people sort of view this as focusing too much on feelings and, and some don't want to talk about feelings at all, right? right? And, and I think what you're pushing us to is, is pushing past the notion that spirituality is just about our feelings.
1: Yes, that's right.
0: There's, there's more to it. There is a more objective quality to it than simply how do I feel about my relationship with God? Because sometimes I may not feel great, but if I focus on that habituation, even when I'm not aware of it, something's
1: happening. That's right. That's right. So you are not responding to fe- effervescent feelings. Effervescent right? feelings, yeah. I like right? That. Which, you know, they bubble up and they go, they pop, you know, and then it's just air. But rather... Um, you're we together, both personally and in our small groups or with uh, good friends or, mm-hmm. or our spouse or you know, whatever, that we are holding supporting each other and holding ourselves accountable to this kind of habituation that then changes our life and changes the world, right? Mm-hmm. Changes our family, yeah, that's good. right? If that's we good. can if we can start this with our children. When they I, when when my younger friends are having kids and and they're thinking, okay, what am I going to do with my uh, family? How how am I going to organize my family life? The rituals, the patterns, right of our yeah. family, such that we we come together more fully as a family. We love one another more fully, but we also are practicing our our spirituality, our religion, right? We are religious together, yeah. and we are making meaning together. Yeah. And I say you cannot start too early. Mm. That you start those patterns around the holidays and yep. uh, every day. Like when I grew up, I had a uh, our our family sat down for devotion um, okay. most mornings. But I got to say, so I was raised in a very conservative environment and the the devotion was just awful it was <laughs> it was it was torture to go through that especially yeah. you know as a as a teenager but there are ways of devoting ourselves to one another and beyond to god mm. and then in service to others mm-hmm. that if we will make them regular systematic informed and we evaluate so that we're always taking a better, a more faithful step, right? Mm-hmm. Then uh, we will, we will set our children. I mean, first of all, it'll just be more authentic and uh, good for us all, but we will set our children on a path that they will not be able to divert from because it's mm. so deeply ingrained yeah. in, into them.
0: Power of that habituation.
1: It so really is. Yeah. Well one
0: last topic I, r- mm-hmm. I want to make sure and touch on. And that is small groups as catalysts for spiritual awareness, intention, and practice. Mm-hmm. Say more about small groups as a catalyst.
1: Yeah. So what is a, you know, what is a catalyst? What what does catalyst mean? It's a it's a it's a thing that doesn't change itself, but it changes everything around it. It changes mm-hmm. what's in it, right? So it, so the discipline may not change. The small group itself is a structure that mm-hmm. won't change, but everything in it changes and a catalyst. What you want is a catalyst that doesn't uh, uh, wind things down, doesn't diminish our life together. It doesn't wear us out, right? Um, it doesn't burn us out for Jesus, as mm, it were. Yeah, we're true. Be the opposite of spiritual growth. <laughs> but rather, it, it attunes us to what is already the case. It attunes us to the presence of God, the activity of God, and attunes us to our participation or not, mm. right, in God's own activity. So the kind of interaction that happens in the, the small group can either blind us mm. or make us see, can either you know, deafen us or uh, allow us to hear more fully. Yeah. And so I would say that the leader of the small group, I mean, it's not the nature of a small group necessarily to be a catalyst. We have okay. to be intentional about that. Right, so yeah. we have to be aware of what that means, how that might happen, and then be very intentional to do the things that um, make the group more catalytic, as it were. So, yeah, so
0: they're not innately catalytic, right? Just having no, a group. absolutely.
1: In fact, in fact, if I would say it's more innate because you know we're all you know we're sinful beings, right? And so <laughs>
2: right.
1: Uh, we we don't want to look into the abyss of God's love and our life in God. We don't want to look deeply into that. We want to sort of dance around the edge of that great um, ineffable mystery of our life in God. And so the, the small group can be like any other instrument. It can, you know, be an opiate it can <laughs> help us deny that reality and, mm, and, and reflect our attention. So we have, we have to be very intentional about walking more faithfully about, about attuning ourselves more intently to the life of God all around us. And I mean that in very practical ways. What is God doing? Not just yeah. God's presence, right? Cause we think about a lot of times when think about God's presence, and we know God is present because we feel calm or we feel peaceful or we feel love or, you know, or we, you know, it's all right. an emotional state of being. No, the divine life is, is all about greater communion. It's about mm. us. And so I have a definition of, yeah. of communion. And so this is the definition I would want to have for, and it sort of gives a target for what catalytic behavior is. Communion is sharing all things okay. without reservation, right? Mm-hmm. So this is a, this is a, uh, you know, one to 10 on a scale of one to 10. This is an 11 kind of <laughs> turn it up. That's right. So it's sharing all things. It's all things, holding all things in common, sacrificially sharing them. Now that doesn't mean, um, You know, we think of sacrifice as a bleeding animal on an altar. Uh But it's sharing all things sacrificially. And sacrifice means making sacred. Oh, okay. So it's sharing in such a way that it makes sacred. The moment, the other person, myself, right? It makes us sacred. So sharing all things self-sacrificially in Christ, that means in the unity, for the purpose of unity, creating greater abundance. Okay, I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. So the spiritual life always creates abundance, Mm. especially Mm. for the least of these. That's Matthew 25. Always for the, and with a special attention to how it affects those who are least. And the fact fact is all of us are least in Mm. some ways, Mm. right? So this isn't about just these other people that are categorically least, right? This is about, how I am least in this group, how I'm functioning in a, in a, in a particularly less than mode. I might be hurt. Um, I might be um, doubting, you know, I might be least. So how is this creating greater abundance for the least in this moment, mm. right? So that's what catalysm our catalytic activity should always be moving toward, in my view, greater communion, greater individualization of the individual, a greater capacity of the individual, and greater capacity for unity, such that um, uh, their capacity for practicing the presence of God, that is communion, um, is manifest more fully.
0: Yes, the whole culture then, spiritually, is raised. I mean, it Absolutely. should come out in worship, it should come out in mission, it should come yes. out in all these other areas. The small group is, like you said, being a catalyst for growing spiritually, for making disciples who make disciples. We can put it in lots of different languages. Right.
1: That's right. Yeah. And it is the responsibility of leadership, both the leadership in the small group and the leadership uh, around the small group, let say the pastor or the church leader in, ch- in charge of Christian ed or small groups or whatever, it is a responsibility of those persons to constantly help small groups to grow their capacity for this kind of catalytic activity, this intentionality toward greater intensity. Now that doesn't mean putting burdens on us, right? (laughs) Greater intensity spiritually in a Christian framework is about the yoke being lighter. Mm -hmm, Very true. You see, so intensity means that we're light, we're free. It mm-hmm. it's not uh, burdensome. It doesn't enslave. It doesn't imprison. It frees. So greater intensity is greater freedom, uh, single mindedness, right? Mm-hmm. Greater lack of uh, a lack of conflict, mm. um, uh, much greater harmony, and much greater productivity. So, this isn't just about us feeling one way. It's about us doing things that are productive, making differences in people's lives, in structures, right? Mm. In governmental structures, in mm-hmm. our church institutions. That's all key to spiritual growth. Abundance.
0: Abundance. Well, I'm going to put a period there. This has been wonderful and I hope I can get you back again. We can talk about evocative leadership and some other things we didn't get to, but this has been great. You've been very, very clear, very helpful. And so I want to thank you again for your willingness to be part of this.
1: My pleasure. It's been a great joy to be with you, Scott.
0: So some things that I really appreciated that I want to highlight that Robert talked about was moving from an episodic way of trying to grow spiritually to a more habitualized way of growing spiritually. And I hope you'll take some time and some opportunity in your small group to to talk about that and how you can help each other to develop some habits that will help you grow spiritually. And, And you know, my guess is it's going to look different for different people. Different People have different schedules. People have different things that help them to grow. So have that conversation as a group. I also really enjoyed talking about... Um, Moving on just from you know, what's in our feelings to, to how we can grow in a way that perhaps we might not feel it, but know that as we continue in habits, that's, that we trust that God is working within us. I really liked um, the, the marriage that Robert is able to do with a rich theology as well as g- helping us to grow spiritually and thinking about how we do that. And, and especially the way he talked about small groups as a catalyst that create a culture of disciple-making, we're, right? Where we're intentional about creating disciples who in turn disciple others. So again, I want to say a big thanks to Robert. Really enjoyed our time together. I hope to have him back on a future podcast episode so we can talk about some things we actually didn't get to that we were hoping to. You can get in contact with Robert if you'd like. His email address is martin at kc.rr.com and as i did in the last episode feel free to shoot me some some feedback shoot me a, a suggestion you can find my my email address on our website umcdiscipleship.org or you can shoot it directly to me hughes at umcdiscipleship.org you can also find me on twitter at rev scott's tweets also at umc adult form for adult formation so send me some suggestions and I will, I'll, I'll find a book for you and I'll perhaps let you pick which one you want the most. Uh, so again, I want to thank those who helped make this podcast possible. A big thanks to our technical director, Blake, Matt Carlisle, our web producer, and Steve Horswell-Johnson, our executive producer. So I look forward to engaging with you and hearing what topics you have in mind. And this is also, uh, I guess, a, a happy new year to everybody. And until next time, peace.
1: Small Groups in the Wesleyan Way podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.